Welcome to the Coast Life Church Podcast. We exist to lead people to the abundant life in Christ. For a great way to stay connected throughout the week, be sure to follow on, us on Instagram and Facebook team. and subscribe to our YouTube so channel. Much talent From wherever on that you're listening, team. we hope Come on, that you are encouraged by worship? this week's message. Lead us in worship each and every weekend here at Coast Life Church, right into the presence of God. Kyle, wherever you're at, you're the man. Your voice is smooth as butter. So is mine. Why are you laughing? It's not true. You're right. Hey, it's so good to see you in the room. You can go ahead and be seated. And Coastline family, can you help me welcome all of our first-time guests that are joining us this weekend? All those joining us online this weekend. Come on, let's make them feel welcome. So glad that you decided to join us. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Dylan Ritchie. I'm the ministry director here at Coast Life Church, which means I get the privilege of leading our serve teams, our group ministry, as well as our missions and our outreach ministries. And I'm just thankful for the opportunity to serve in God's house. I count it a privilege and an honor to get the opportunity to serve and lead other people each and every weekend. And that actually wouldn't be possible without two people who are in my life that have really had a serious, serious impact, not only on my walk with Jesus, but on my walk in ministry. And I'm just so thankful for our pastors, Pastor Jason and Pastor Heidi, for the way that you lead this church, for the way that you lead this community. And not only that, but the way that you lead me and my wife. We're thankful for you. We love you. Come on, one more time. Give it up for our pastors. And we have been in a collection of talks called The Playlist. This is where we take songs from the radio, songs that you love. We take some time to pull some biblical truth out of them. This is the finale, so we went with Fast Car. It's only appropriate when gas prices are $5 a gallon to talk about a fast car. They probably wouldn't be as excited about a fast car today as they were in 1989, I promise you that talking about a Tesla and a Prius, the value of a hybrid, in Jesus' name. But again, this song was called Fast Car. It's a song written and performed by an artist named Tracy Chapman, incredible artist from the 1980s, and excited to get the opportunity to be able to pull some of God's word, pull some of God's truth out of this. And as Pastor told us in week one, Jesus would do this often. He would teach parables. And what parables are, they're examples from the world that they would have been living in. And he would use those examples and use those parables in order to teach people kingdom principles. And that's what we're going to do today with the song Fast Car. But before we do that, I want to take some time. Can we go to God's Word today? Come on, let's go to God's Word. If you've got a Bible today, go ahead and take it out. I don't care if it flips or it glows. Either one works for me. Go ahead and pull it out. We're going to be in Matthew 7. Starting with the verse 24, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, streams rose, and the winds blew, beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. I want to give a message today titled, 
built to last. Built to last. Would you pray with me? I believe God's going to do something special in the room today. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, be in your presence. Pray that you'd do something special in the room today. Pray that for some people, their lives would be forever changed. They would experience the miracle of salvation. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. Rest on us. Be a part of this weekend with us. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, like I said, this song that we just heard is called Fast Car. One of my favorite songs. Well, it was one of my favorite songs until the last seven days where I have listened to it so many times preparing to this message that I may actually never want to hear it ever again. (laughs) But I love this song because it's a song that transcends its generation. It's a song that is just as relevant now as it was back in 1989 when it was written by Tracy Chapman. And actually, when the song was released in 1989, it was nominated for six Grammys. Three of those, she actually won. And now, it is a popular soundtrack on TikTok, used by people all over the world to achieve the status of viral. And for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, there's this thing called TikTok. It's social media. People use it. I don't know why. I still haven't figured out the purpose of it, but it's mildly entertaining. And for those of you that have no idea what I'm talking about or you've never experienced a TikTok before, we've got a video for you. So go ahead and check this out. I got a plan to get us out of here, been working at the convenience store. Managed to save just a little bit of money, won't have to drive too far. Just across the border and into the city, you and I can both get jobs and finally see what it means to be living. All right, so two things just happened in the room. I just either confirmed the reason why you're not on TikTok, or I just introduced you to your new addiction. And now you will spend countless hours of your day, each and every day, scrolling your phone on this thing called TikTok, watching the most senseless, ridiculous videos that add zero value to your life, but as you saw, in some cases, can be super entertaining. But there's something about this song, there's something about a song, a message that transcends its generation. Something about a message that when it was spoken, it was just as relevant in the time it was spoken as in the time we live in today. And in an interview, they asked Tracy Chapman, they said, what is is the theme, what is the purpose of this song? What's the message you're trying to give? And she said, it's not really about a car at all. Spoiler alert. Basically, it's about a relationship that doesn't work out because it's starting from the wrong place. Foundations are important. What you choose to build something on is important. What you choose to build your relationships on are important. I would submit to you that What you choose to build your life on is pretty important. See, Jesus understood the importance of foundations. That's why at one point Jesus was quoted as saying, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus saw foundations as pretty important. 
And the text we read from today, Matthew 7, this is exactly what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about foundations. He compares a wise and a foolish builder. He says that a foolish builder is someone who would build their house or their life on sand. On the contrary, someone who would build their house or their life on the rock is wise. See, but the text is actually a conclusion to a portion of scripture and actually one of Jesus' teaching, his most famous teaching, the Sermon on the Mount. And he instructs those listening that anyone that would hear these words and put them into practice are wise people. They are people who would be building their life on a rock, a solid foundation. But to understand what Jesus sees as a solid foundation, as the rock in this example, we have to understand the teachings he's referring to, the Sermon on the Mount. And when I take some time to walk through these teachings with you just for a moment, because I want to give us some context for the direction we're going to go. But I want to encourage you at some point today, at some point this week, open your Bible, go to Matthew 5, start to read the Sermon on the Mount. I believe it'll have transformative power in your life. I read a book preparing for this message because I'm studious. A book by a theologian named John Stott. And in the book, John Stott says, the Sermon on the Mount is the most well-known but arguably the least understood and least obeyed teaching of Jesus. See, because it's not just about hearing words. It's about living out the principles. That's why Jesus says anyone who hears these words and then puts them into practice is a wise person. There's something about taking action, something about applying the word of God to our lives. So I want to take a moment, I want to walk through the Sermon on the Mount with us. And again, just, just a brief summarization of the, the, the powerful message that Jesus gives in the Sermon on the Mount. And he actually starts off by talking about what we would come to know as the Beatitudes. And those are people that, would consi- that Jesus would consider to be blessed. It's those who would find their strength and comfort in Jesus in their time of need. It starts off by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. And this is one of those instances where it's important to understand the totality of scripture. Because there are certain doctrines out there that are built off this idea that blessed are the poor. And they've built a doctrine on the correlation between poverty and Christianity. Just simply not what Jesus is talking about in this portion of scripture. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit those that would experience and have a revelation of spiritual poverty, spiritual bankruptcy. Then it goes on to talk about blessed are those who mourn, which even myself, before reading this book by this theologian, understood that as blessed are those that mourn over the loss of someone. But what Jesus is talking about is blessed are those who mourn after their understanding of their spiritual bankruptcy. So my revelation of my current state of spiritual poverty has led me to a place where I am now mourning it. 
He goes on to say, blessed are the meek. And meekness is not weakness. Meekness is humility. Best illustration I've heard of meekness is it's a war horse. Powerful in context, but submitted under authority. That a war horse only has and harnesses its power when it's being ridden by a soldier into battle. So someone who understands and has a revelation of their spiritual poverty, someone who mourns it, and then someone who has the ability to humble themselves in the understanding of the need for a savior, the need for spiritual authority in their lives. And then it goes on to say, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. So it would lead us to a place of having a healthy spiritual appetite, having a hunger and a thirst for the things of God and a relationship with God. And this portion of the Beatitudes, it's important to note that these statements are not independent in and of themselves. What it is, is it's a process that we're to walk through one step after the other that would lead us to a place where we desire more of God. Then the Beatitudes go on to talk about the merciful. It says, blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, if you want to experience something in your own life, it's important to extend it to others. It says, blessed are the pure in heart. That's anyone who has a sincere, unmanipulated, unselfish, ambitious relationship with Jesus. Not what can I get out of it, but what can I give into it? Same thing with other people. Then it goes on to say, blessed are the peacemakers. Anyone who isn't found seeking or found responsible for initiating conflict. Then the Beatitudes close with, Blessed are those who would be persecuted for righteousness. That we would then experience persecution because of our loyalty and commitment to the gospel. And Jesus goes on to say some information and some things about being salt and light. He says, You are to be the salt of the earth. And when it talks about salt, it's not talking about a spice or a flavoring. It's talking about the preservative properties of salt. That as believers, we are to be salt to the earth. We are to be the preservative to a dying and decaying world. It talks about light, which is very simply something that illuminates, something that gives the right direction in a dark place. So as believers, what are we called to do? Provide direction, the right direction, to those living in darkness. Sermon goes on to talk about the law, the Mosaic law, which Jesus says he did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. So it's important that we don't disregard the Old Testament as irrelevant, as no longer legitimate, because Jesus saw it as pretty important. He says, it's the very thing I came to fulfill. But he also recognized our inability to fulfill it, which is why he came and wrapped himself in flesh and lived a sinless life. See, Jesus fulfilled the law out of the understanding that we never could. But then when we receive Jesus, we receive his righteousness, and then we receive his fulfillment of the law. And then it is then written on our hearts. And I love what Jesus says, because he says, not one letter 
or stroke of the pen will be erased until all of it is fulfilled. That is when heaven and earth become one. He goes on to talk about godly relationships, like God's idea for marriage, honoring your spouse. Talks about God's view of anger and revenge towards other people, including our enemies, which is a difficult one for me to swallow. I had to read that one a few times. And then I went back to the book that I read, and I was like, did he include that in there too? Or is there an updated version? No, it talks about your enemies too. I started praying for Emily. I was like, God protect Emily. And he was like, I said enemies. And I was like, I know, I just wanted to ignore it for a minute. (laughs) And apparently Jesus has a lot to say about our earthly relationships. Because I think Jesus understood that many of us get tripped up in our heavenly relationship because of the experiences we have with our earthly ones. Sometimes we could never understand God as a loving father because for us in our experience, we never had that. Brothers and sisters, friends, maybe we never experienced healthy relationships. So what we do is we take that perspective and then we project it onto our heavenly one. And then we struggle because there's a disconnect from what we've experienced and what God is saying. But God's word is true. What God says is true. So although that may be your perspective and your experience, it doesn't change the fact that God loves you. Talks about godly living, generosity, prayer, fasting. Again about prayer. Jesus must have thought prayer was pretty important because he included it twice. And then he gives us an outline for it called the Lord's Prayer. And he goes on to talk about the golden rule, the narrow gate, producing fruit, being a true disciple. And then he finishes the entire sermon with anyone who hears these words and puts them into practice is wise. See, it's an extensive list. It can feel overwhelming at times, even unachievable in some cases. That's why he doesn't ask us to do it on our own strength. It's the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, is that as believers, when we receive Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit, which then dwells in us and empowers us to live a godly life. It's a process that I'm walking through. It's a process we're all walking through. But it's also caused me to take some time to reflect on my own life, where God stepped in, where God's been faithful. At 23 years old, I was given an opportunity to step into management at a very large company. I was wildly underqualified, like not even close. But my father and my grandfather have both worked for the same company, so I had a little bit of experience. So they said, hey, we'll take a shot on you. And the boss said, we'll give you 30 days. If you stink, we fire you. If you do all right, we'll hire you. I was like, that's fair enough. I got nothing going on the next month. We'll see what happens. Let's lean in a little bit. Well, two years later, I end up running the largest district in the country and considered one of the top producers at my level of management. See, I was successful in my role. I was successful in my career. Some people would look at that and say I was successful in my life. But the commitment and the time that I invested into 
being successful in my career led me to be absent in almost every other area. See, at this point, my marriage was an absolute wreck because pride was telling me that my wife should be grateful that she's married to someone who's so successful at such a young age and is providing for her. I was absent as a father, which I would justify by saying, well, this is the way that a father meets their child's needs, making sure that they have everything that they have or they need. I would come home most weeknights and spend most of my weekends out in the backyard by myself because that was my time that I needed because of all the work that I had done all week long. See, I thought I had built a life. But when it came down to it, it was a life all about me. It was a life built on me, my wants, my desires, my ambitions, my dreams, completely negating the fact that there were other people involved. Then a couple years later after that, I received an invitation to Coast Life Church. And I sat in those seats the ones you're sitting in, sat in the room we're standing in today. And God began to do something in my life, in my heart. He began to point some things out. He began to speak to some things in my life that didn't look like the way he would want me to live it. He started to give me some eyes to see some things that didn't line up with his word. See, I started to learn what the word husband actually meant that it wasn't just providing financial provision to my family and to my wife, but it was about the love, care, and support. The laying down of my life for my wife. Like Christ laid his life down for the church, his bride. I started to learn about God as a father one that spent time with his children. One that showed them love and compassion. Learned about a God, the Father, who was an ever-present help in my time of need, which as a father myself would have been very difficult being absent. See, I learned about a life that didn't actually revolve around me. Learned that being generous with my time to others was actually not only important, but would actually be more fulfilling than all of the me time that I worked so desperately to protect. Started to learn about a life built on Jesus, a life surrendered to Jesus. Started to learn things like you may be able to build faster with sand but rock will always last longer. Because a few years ago, I was asked to take a promotion with the company that I worked for. It was a big one. It was one of those that the world would tell you would change the trajectory of your life. Literally, in the interview process, they said, this is your dream about to be fulfilled. At the same time, I started to have some conversations with Pastor Jason and Heidi about what it would look like for me to step on staff here at Coast Life Church. 
And through the hiring process, I actually had to take the promotion. They put me on a timer to step into it. So I stepped into it. I experienced it. I experienced the dream that they told me I'd be living. And then it came time to make the decision. For one of the first times in my life, I chose the rock. I chose to build a life on Jesus. I chose a life surrendered to him. And I understand that not everyone is called to full-time ministry, and that's, that's completely okay. But everyone is called to serve God. And everybody is called to serve God's people. What that looks like for you, you have to work out with Jesus. But we're called to serve people. We're called to build our life on the rock. See, I, I had first titled this message, Settle for Less. Because the world will tell you that a life surrendered to Jesus is settling for less. What I've learned in the past season of my life, getting the opportunity to do what I do, is anything less than a life surrendered to Jesus is settling. That you actually can't experience life outside of a relationship and a commitment to your relationship with Jesus. I get to stand in this room every weekend Right there. Gives me a really clear view of the room. And every single time the salvation moment happens, I am reminded this is the greatest privilege on planet Earth. Every time I get to celebrate baptisms with people, knowing they're stepping into new life with Christ, I am reminded this is the greatest privilege on planet Earth. Every time we step into a freedom conference and I watch hundreds of people step into freedom here at Coast Life Church, I am reminded this is the greatest privilege on planet Earth. Being a part of God's house and watching God move is the greatest privilege on planet Earth. I'm learning some things in this season. Starting to build my life on some different things. Starting to build some on some things that matter. Things that add value. Things that Jesus calls us to build our life on. The first thing I'm building my life on in this season, and this is not an exhausting list, but I hope it's helpful for somebody. The first one is, is choosing to build my life on his word. Amen. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. God's word will provide you the direction for your life. He will never fail. And neither will his word. That's why it's so important that you open this book. I heard this said. It's not so much about you reading the book as the book reading you that it will start to point things out in you. It will start to call you higher. It's the direction for our lives. Have you ever tried to build Ikea furniture? <laughs> Without the directions. Try to build it based on the picture that you saw on Instagram? It's not where the Ikea picture was. It was just a 
correlation. Or the way you saw it in the store, presented as its best self, you end up missing pieces, extra pieces, or completely lost altogether. Or even worse, weeks later, you go to move it to where it's actually, why do we build Ikea furniture in the room it's not going in? (laughs) (laughs) But we try to move it, and it breaks or falls apart. See, God's word is the direction to building a successful life. But you have to follow it. It's one built according to the instructions of the designer and the creator. If you want to build a life, a successful life, an abundant life, we have to build it according to the instruction manual of the one that gave it to us. The season I'm, I'm building my life on his word. Second thing is I'm building my life on his people. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. See, we were made for community. And this season, I've decided I'm committed to community. We believe here at Coast Life Church that Life change happens in the context of relationships. That's why we believe in the power of together groups. I know we get up here every week and we say, you need to get in a group, you need to get in a group. I know that it sounds like you need to do something else, but really what we're saying is, man, if you could experience what I experience in a together group... I wouldn't have to stand up here and convince you. You'd never not show up. Because it's a community of people that are here for you, that will pray with you, that will support you in your low seasons, and then celebrate with you when God does the miracle, when he does the work, when he shows up. It's a community. Can I talk to the women for a minute? Some of you, the story of your life has been isolation. Or it's a season you're walking through. Can I give you a date on the calendar? September 9th. Our next Her Night. I wouldn't make that an option. Because here's what you're going to find. You're not going to find a a group of women that are here to condemn you, insult you, tear you down. You're going to find a community of women that are going to rally around you, are going to stand with you, start to speak life into your situation. Say, hey, I know it looks like this, but let me tell you something. I was in that season at one point in my life, and let me tell you something. God came through. God showed up. God pulled me out put me in community. I wouldn't make it an option. I would be here. Put it on your calendars. I've heard the stories. 
I've heard the testimonies. A couple of them I've gotten to watch from the back of the room as God showed up in women's lives. And their life was never the same. They're serving on team. They're in group. Life looks a lot different. I wouldn't make it an option. Because the first thing me and my wife did here at Coast Life Church is we got involved in the group's ministry. The first summer we were here, we asked to lead a group here at Coast Life Church. And they let us. Thank you, Jesus. I'll tell you why in a minute. See, because we thought that we were going to spend a summer supporting and ministering to others. What we didn't know was how much those people were going to support and minister to us. They prayed for us. They prayed for our marriage. They prophesied ministry over me and my wife before it was ever an option. Thank you. Seriously, thank you. One of the reasons why I am standing on this platform today is because you stood firm in your purpose and you spoke life into a young man that at that point in time never thought he could experience it. That's the power of Together Groups. Is it will put you around people who have a little bit more vision than you do. Who could say, I know it looks bl blurry right now. I, look, I know it looks a little confusing. But I can see past it. I can see what you can't see. And God has more for you. God's not done with you. God's ready to do something. Get ready because God's about to move. That's what was spoken into our life in that season. You need to get in community. Get around some people. Let them encourage you. Receive it. Open your heart. You'll experience the transformative power of Jesus in your life. He'll use people to speak to you. Third thing I'm building my life on is his purpose. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. What are your plans? Do they include Jesus? Mine didn't. Can I tell you where it landed me? Broken, hurting, lost, angry. For the sake of time, I'll save the rest. But then I met Jesus. He introduced himself to me. And now today I can say I'm living my purpose. A purpose God created me for. And the joy that I experience in my life, it comes from my relationship with Jesus. The fulfillment that I experience in my life, it comes from serving God's people. The strength, the courage, the boldness, the peace that I get the opportunity to experience in my life in this season, I would tell you it comes from standing right there every weekend in service and allowing God to minister to me. Making God's house a priority. Being in the presence of God. Allowing him to speak. 
and he'll start to speak. He'll start to talk to you about your purpose and what you were designed to do. You have a purpose. For some of you, that's the first time you've ever heard that. Let me say it again. You have a purpose. You were made for a relationship with Jesus. You were made to build God's church. It's not a building, that's people. It's important to keep in mind. To support, to serve, to minister to others. Why? So they can experience the same love, the same grace, the same mercy that you once experienced. Your purpose when you step into it, it'll be the greatest thing you ever experience on planet Earth. A life committed to Jesus, surrendered to Jesus, serving God and his people. If you receive that today, would you stand to your feet to give God some praise in the room? So my question for you today is what are you building your life on? Because there's a lot you can build your life on. Your career, your accomplishments, the approval of others, your image, your relationship that you have with that person. Jesus would tell you it's sinking sand. A little bit of rain, some wind, rising waters, a storm, and it can all come crashing down. Or maybe today that's where you find yourself. Your life has come crashing down. That career that you committed your life to, the company moved, the position got resolved, you feel this void the relationship that you were in that you thought was going to last the lifetime it didn't work out for whatever reason the dreams the aspirations God's taken you in a different direction now you're unsure about what your next step is Today you find yourself in sinking sand, overwhelmed by your circumstances, the situations around you. That's what I love about God's word. It's so timely. It speaks to every season. Psalm 40, verse 2. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, set my feet on a rock, gave me a firm place to stand. So you've been trying to find a way out. A way to get back on your feet. Your answer is Jesus. Always has been. Your answer is Jesus. He will pull you out. And he will set you on the rock. He will give you a firm place to stand. He will help you build a life. A life built to last. See, through a relationship with Jesus, 
you can experience life. A fulfilling life. An abundant life. The life that he's actually designed you and created you to live can only happen through a relationship with Jesus Christ. We believe here at Coast Life Church that that happens through a simple prayer. And it's not so much the words, I'm going to give you those, but it's the posture of your heart when you pray them. It's you opening yourself up and saying, Jesus, I need you. Bible says to believe in your heart. So we're going to pray that prayer today. I believe it's somebody's opportunity to step into a relationship with Jesus. Experience life maybe for the first time. As you pray this prayer, everyone in the room is going to pray this prayer with you. Because we want you to know that there's a family of believers that are ready to receive you, celebrate you in the decision that you're about to make. Would you pray this prayer with me? Say, Dear Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my past. Wash away my sins. Make me a new person. Today I choose to follow you, to make you the leader and the Lord of my life. And I will never be the same. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Come on, can we celebrate all those that just made that decision? Scripture says to believe in your heart and then confess with your mouth. We want to give you that moment of confession today. If you're online with us this weekend, you just made that decision, we want you to type Jesus in all caps in the comment section. If you made that decision in the room today, I'm going to count to three. And I want you to be bold. I want you to raise your hand on the count of three and say, today is my day of salvation. I am now in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Are you ready, Coast Life Church? On the count of three, ready? One, two, three. If that's you, you're making that decision today to raise your hand. Come on, can we celebrate all those that made that decision? And I want to be the first one to say, welcome to the family of God. Hey, thank you for joining us and a special thank you to those of you who give so faithfully and generously to this church. It's because of people like you that podcasts like this are possible. And you can click the link in the description to give now, or you can visit mycoastlifechurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love it if you subscribed, share it with your friends. So thank you for listening and God bless you.